a good move. Why you dancing? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 3, Episode 12, Hypno Germ. This is the same toilet seat that you sat on at the gas station in Branson, and it's covered with hypno germs. That is a lie, and you are a liar for saying that. I've never been to Branson in my life. Don't tell me you don't remember that. It was just last week. You wrote that batch of bad ribs after the Dallin Brothers concert, made Frylock blow the door off that truck stop bathroom because you said you couldn't wait for the bathroom key, squeezing the butt together trying to keep it in. I don't even know Charles Branson. Hypnogerm premiering October 17th, 2004, and I'm really excited to get into this one because this is an episode, I don't think I saw it on live TV. My earliest memories of it are from the past couple of years, but the first time I saw it, I wasn't that crazy about it, and this is a pretty divisive episode because it doesn't focus that much on the Aqua Teens, but while diving into it for this podcast, I've grown to really appreciate this episode. There is just so much interesting history behind this one. For example, the whole concept of this episode spawned from a joke, and we'll get more into that later because Matt and Dave, they got in trouble for this joke, and you could still see it somewhat today. And we also need to mention the voice cast here is just absolutely stacked. Somewhat similar to the last one, the final episode of season two with a huge voice cast. We have a big voice cast here, but unlike the last one, it's not returning characters. These are like all new kind of one-off characters featuring familiar voices from people we know and love like Bob Odenkirk. I mean, you know him from, from Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, Mr. Show. I mean, it's Bob Odenkirk. What more do I need to say? We have Fred Armisen on this one, who, of course, we've talked a little bit about on the, on the Patreon because he was in Colin movie film. We have Janine Garofalo, who's just a legend in her own right. Just, you know, a very, very incredibly funny and accomplished person. We also have Tim and Eric making their television debut. Of course, their show Tom Goes to the Mayor was in production, but it didn't actually premiere until about a month after this episode. So this is both Tim and Eric's television debut. We have a bunch of the writers from The Onion, including the wizard himself, Todd Hansen, from the episode Interfection. And we have a couple other names, too. And I really spent a lot of time on this one because... Since Aqua Teen wasn't a union show, I mean, you know this, sometimes people had to use fake names, and that was the case here. There are quite a few fake names on this one, and I found out which fake name belonged to which person. And you might be sitting there saying, wow, Ronnie, you checked IMDB. What a hero. What a, what a true patriot here. No, that's not what I did because IMDB is incredibly wrong. IMDB does not have everybody listed on this one. We'll get more into it, but this is just a way for me to say I'm very excited to share my findings with you. There's just so much to get into on this episode, but before we can talk about Hypnogerm, you know we've got some other stuff to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news this week. Of course, season 12 of Aqua Teen, it's coming later this year. Five new episodes, they're still chugging along, they're still working on them, don't worry about it. 
I would like to mention quickly that the Aqua Teen Boston event happened, and my understanding is it went well. I've been talking about it on the podcast. Surely you know what it is. But just in case you don't, they showed an updated animatic of the Aqua Teen Boston episode, originally from 2008, eventually leaked in 2015. It was never completed, but they did go back and clean it up a bit. It looks like they maybe added some new things to it. Sounds like it went well, which is exactly, you know, what you would expect. You had Dave Willis there as well with Ned Hastings and Dana Snyder. Matt Malero was unable to make it, but if you were there, I hope you had a good time nonetheless. And speaking of Matt Malero now, of course his film Postocalypse is now out as of this podcast episode being out, so if you haven't seen it, link to it in the description. It is free to watch on Tubi, at least if you're in the United States. I've been hearing that if you're outside of the U.S., you, you might not be able to see it. I'm really not sure there. I think you could just use a VPN to watch it if you wanted to. My point is, you've got some homework to do. you got to try and see that movie because next week on the podcast, Matt Malero's coming on. We're talking about Postocalypse, and I want you to know what the heck it is we're even talking about. Dana Snyder's in the film. Lots of people who worked on Aqua Teen worked on it behind the scenes. It's a good time. I really enjoyed it. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably like it too. It's, again, a free film. It's 70 minutes. Find some time this week and watch it so when that new episode comes out on the podcast, you'll know what's going on. It's a very good time. As always, I had a wonderful time talking with Matt. It's always a treat. I'm excited for you to hear it. And of course, you know, Matt and I, we're talking about uh, some other Aqua Teen things as well. He's telling us a couple of people who are in the upcoming season. So that is it for our Aqua Teen news this week, our podcast news. And before we move on to our pop culture, I actually have a few addendums to our last deep dive, T-Shirt of the Living Dead. There's a couple things here that I received after that episode went up that I want to tell you about. First up over on the podcast Discord, which if you would like to join, link to that in the description, we had a fine Wayne Gretzky, great name, bring up the line Shake says, where he says something like, well, Tom Cruise doesn't know anything about ancient Egypt or whatever. Well, a fine Wayne Gretzky points out that in 2017, Tom Cruise was in the Mummy reboot. So at this point in time, it's confirmed that Tom Cruise probably knows at least one or two things about ancient Egypt. Although, back when Shake said that in 2004, as far as I know, sources indicate it to be true and that Tom Cruise had never even heard of ancient Egypt until 2010. So, fun little observation there. Next up, over on Twitter, at SwimWiki2001, brought up that I did not mention in T-Shirt of the Living Dead when the episode originally aired that Santa Claus had a different line than what we have on the DVD and on streaming and even on live television at this point. At a certain point in the episode, Santa Claus, he, he drops the F slur, referring to the elves. And we only have footage of that because somebody taped it off their television. It seems like quickly after that, the line was replaced. And I did not mention that in the episode simply because I forgot. I knew, like, I knew there was something that I had to talk about, and I didn't. At the same time, once SwimWiki pointed that out to me, I was like, well, that's fine, because, I mean, talking about that kind of stuff isn't particularly fun for me. But it is worth mentioning, so I do want to bring it up here that they did go back and re-record that line. I'll put a link to that in the description if you want to check it out, a VHS recording of that line from the night that it aired. 
hey, there it is. Not something super exciting to talk about, but it was worth mentioning. So thank you to SwimWiki. So the last thing I want to tell you about is I reached out to Bob Pettit after the fact about the Meatwad stocking because I was just wondering if Bob did that or if he had someone else do it. For example, the drawing in Balloonenstein that Meatwad does, like his memo to shake, that's just a drawing of a mouse, that was done by Bob Pettit's nephew. So I was wondering if that little kid Meatwad drawing on Meatwad's stocking was his nephew as well. But Bob said no, that Bob did that. He, he just got good at emulating a, a, a child's style, is basically what he said. And then I also asked Bob about the hieroglyphics, and Bob said, I simply freehanded some glyphs from tomb photos in the needed layout. They'd be visible no matter where editors place the characters. Then use the Photoshop bevel emboss function to give them the 3D carved look. So thank you to Bob Pettit, Aqua Teen's prop and background artist, for getting back to me on that. So those are just three little loose ends I wanted to tie up here about T-Shirt of the Living Dead. Great episode, but we're past it now. We're talking about Hypnogerm. Let's see what the heck was going on the week that Hypnogerm premiered. Look, still at the top of the box office this week, we have Shark Tale. I said I was going to watch it. I didn't end up watching it. I know. You, you're like, Ronnie, I've been listening to you for almost two years on this podcast. How could you possibly let me down like that? You said you were going to watch Shark Tale, and you didn't. This is unbelievable. I'm done listening to your Aqua Teen podcast. You know what? I don't blame you. I have abused your trust. I apologize. But at the same time, it's Shark Tale who gives a shit. So they brought in 22 mil this week, and this is their last week on the top of the box office. I'm done talking about Shark Tale. I want to give a shout out to Team America World Police that came out within this past week. So I, I remember when this movie came out. It's from the makers of South Park. Kind of a big deal. I've never seen it, though, and I really should. The ratings on it seem pretty good, and... You know, I love Matt and Trey. I think South Park is a brilliant show. So I need to watch that at some point. But there is a movie I have seen that I am going to talk about. And this film is one of my favorite movies I've seen recently. I just saw it within the past like month. And this film is called Raise Your Voice, starring Hilary Duff. And this is one of the biggest pieces of shit I've seen in my entire life. And I've watched it twice already in the past month. I watched it first with my wife and we were dumbfounded by how fucking bad it was. And we're like, we have to show our friends this because if there's one thing about me and my friends. We love bad movies and this is right up there. I mean, I've said on this podcast, my favorite movie is The Room. I love Troll 2. I love The Amazing Bulk. You put a, a hilariously bad movie in front of me. I'm going to watch it over and over again, and that's what I'm starting to do with Raise Your Voice, starring Miss Hilary Duff. And what is Raise Your Voice about? It's a very weird movie. Basically, you have Hilary Duff. She's supposed to be some, some uh, musical genius with the voice of an angel. And the funny thing is, is whenever she sings in the film, and there are moments when she sings without music, it is so goddamn auto-tuned. It's hilarious. It's like, She's supposed to be just singing at this school for gifted singers, and she can't sing. It's so funny. But the reason she gets into this school is her brother is, like, secretly filming her and, like, submits this tape of her. And it's so weird. Like, the brother so obviously has a crush on his sister. It's the most bizarre thing. I'm not going to give anything away. There's some batshit crazy stuff in this movie. 
And the the last thing I'll tell you is when we went to show our friends this movie, it was getting kind of late. And one of our friends, Mitchell, he's like, look, I'll stick around. I'll try and watch this fucking movie you're going to show, but I'm probably going to fall asleep in the first five minutes. And let me tell you, Mitchell, he stayed up the entire hour 47 wide awake critiquing the shit out of this movie from the camera work to the acting to everything. You can't fall asleep during this movie. It's so good. Raise your voice. Comes out just nine days before Hypno Germ. You got to see it. It's so good. And by good, I mean horrible. So that's it for our film talk this week. Let's give a listen to our top album. Topping the Billboard charts this week, we have the Little Rascals over in Rascal Flats with their album Feels Like Today, selling over 200,000 copies this week. Not an insane number, but hey, they're the top of the Billboard charts this week, the top dogs in Rascal Flats. You would hear a few years later with their mega hit Life is a Highway. And listening to some of the songs on this record feels like today, I didn't really recognize anything. I feel like I was aware of Rascal Flats before Life is a Highway came out in conjunction with the uh, cinematic masterpiece Cars, but I didn't really recognize anything here. And to me, Rascal Flats is one of those country bands that really took a step in the direction, at least visually, of the mainstream. I mean, the singer has like frosted tips, kind of like somebody from NSYNC just a few years earlier. And I was looking into the singer of this band and... He is from Ohio, which I found hilarious, and he moved to Nashville, but when he was 27. So it's funny to hear somebody talk without any sort of Southern accent, but when they go and sing, he's all, feels like today. It's just like so disingenuous. And I've ranted about this on the podcast before when you have these country stars who are not actually from the South. But you know what? It paid off because Rascal Flats, they're the top rascals this week in our Aqua Teen timeline. And I mean, they're sitting pretty off that car's money. So uh, maybe I should start talking like this on the podcast, boy. Get up on that Patreon. Give me your goddamn money. It worked for Rascal Flats. It's going to work for me. All right. Now, our next album we're going to talk about here. All right. I'm going to stop doing that unless the Patreon pops off after this episode. Then I will continue to do it. So the next album I really want to talk about came out six days before Hypnogerm premiered. It is James Blunt with Back to Bedlam. It is not our top album this week, of course. The Little Rascal Boys took that over. But I do want to talk about this briefly because I had this album, or I guess my mom had this album when I was a kid, so I heard the hell out of this album. Most famous for its song, You're Beautiful, but like, Top to bottom, it's a pretty good album. Now, I'm incredibly biased because I grew up hearing the album, but I wanted to shout it out here. James Blunt is somebody who I always kind of like paid attention to. Uh, he's got some good songs after that album. But again, you know, You're Beautiful, Goodbye My Lover, lots of very popular songs at the time and well-deserved. I mean, James Blunt, he's the real deal. He's actually a songwriter. He was in the British Army before becoming like a, a songwriter and, and things like that. So he, you know, actually self-made, writes some good songs. You gotta love them. So that is a little honorable mention. Our top tracks this week are the same ones they have been. 
We have the Queen Sierra just dominating the Billboard singles chart with goodies. We've talked about that already. And the Boys in Green Day with American Idiot on the alternative charts. So that is our music this week. On to video games. We've got some things to talk about here. First up, I want to mention we have Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door coming out this week on the GameCube. And this considered by many the best Paper Mario game. I mean... I think it's safe to say it probably is the best. I have not played any of the Paper Mario games, but my understanding is they are these kind of uh, side-scrolling RPGs. So they took the Mario universe and made a role-playing game out of it where it's like turn-based combat, similar to, I guess, Pokemon would be a, a good example. But these are pretty acclaimed series of, of Mario games, just doing something very different with the property and doing it right. I mean, so many times when they take some other kind of kind of franchise and try and port it into a new genre of game it doesn't quite work out but that's not the case here especially with the thousand year door lots of people love it so i want to shout that out next up a game i have not played but i will play we have shin megami tensai with nocturne uh, which comes out on the playstation 2 this week and this being a very acclaimed SMT game. I've talked about SMT a lot on the podcast, so I need to play this one. They recently ported it to the Switch. Well, I guess like a, maybe a year ago at this point, but I will definitely play it. Seems like a cool game. And then don't worry, sports hunks. I'm thinking about you out there. We have FIFA Football 2005 for the soccer slash football fans, depending on where you live. This game coming to basically everything. It's coming to, to Windows, PlayStation 1 even, PlayStation 2, GameCube, Game Boy Advance, PSP. It's everywhere. I'm not really sure how this game ranks up compared to all the other FIFA games simply because they come out with a, you know, a new one like every year. So it's kind of hard to rank these games. But this game has really good reviews. It seemed like a good game at the time. And if you're you know one of those turf hogs, maybe you were playing this one as well. So those are three of our games this week. Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, SMT Nocturne, and FIFA Football 2005. What more do you need? So all right, it is October 17th, 2004. You saw the highly anticipated Team America World Police because you're a bad boy and that's just the kind of stuff you like to see. Your dad's playing the new Rascal Flat CD. Get that shit out of here, baby, because you're still rocking Green Day's American Idiot. That's right. And what do you have on your feet while you're putting your fingers in your ears while dad's got the Rascal Flats on? You got some cleats, baby. And you're always rocking those cleats while you're kicking up and down the digital turf in FIFA Football 2005. You've got it made at this point in your life, and to sweeten the pot, to make things even better, it's Sunday night, your favorite programming block, Adult Swim, is about to kick on. What are you going to see this night? Well, I'm here to tell you. First up at 11pm, we have Family Guy with Peter Griffin, husband, father, brother? That's right, we've got the racially charged episode of Family Guy, where it turns out that Lois's family owned slaves in the past, and those slaves were Peter's descendants. He comes from an African lineage, apparently, and you see Peter kind of kind of wrestle with, with these new racial discoveries. And as a little kid seeing this, this taught me everything I know about racial issues in America, believe it or not. 
what better education could you get back in 2004? So at 11.30 p.m., we have Harvey Birdman, attorney at law with Black Watch Plaid. I think we've talked about this one on the podcast at some point. 11.45, we get C-Lab 2021 with Chalkboard Jungle. Midnight brings us this episode of Aqua Teen Hypnogerm. Again, as usual, our only new episode of the night, which will go on to change uh, shortly after Aqua Teen ends this season, because then they'll start to debut a couple new shows, such as Perfect Hair Forever and Tom Goes to the Mayor. And I know we'll start getting new episodes of C-Lab as well. Uh, at 12.30 a.m., we get the Venture Bros with Past Tense, which, as usual, did premiere the night before, so it's somewhat of a new episode. At 1 a.m., we get the Oblongs with Milo Interrupted. We know all about this episode, at least if you're over on the Patreon, you know, because we did a deep dive into that very episode, a very fun one to, to look into. And then at 1.30 a.m., we have Home Movies with Life Through a Fish Eye Lens, which is a classic, I think, kind of episode of Home Movies where Brendan, he needs that fish eye lens. And I think that's actually where I learned what a fish eye lens was, was from that episode as a kid. So that is our lineup this night. The same lineup we've been getting, but a very strong lineup nonetheless. Look, we've sat on the toilet seat. We've invited the germs in. Let's get all hypno-germed up in this shit. The Dancing is Forbidden Patreon thank you train continues. We've had a lot of signups lately. I'm incredibly appreciative of it. So let's talk about two more Moonmasters who are reporting for duty. First up, we have Wolfgang. I absolutely love this name. I think I gotta lock this name away for when I have a kid. It doesn't get much better than Wolfgang. I mean, it's a powerful name. And Wolfgang... He's got a powerful appreciation for podcasts here, signing on at the duffel bag of cash $5 tier. This gets Wolfgang all of the bonus content over on the Patreon. Look, Wolfgang, not only does he have a real deal name, but he has a real deal appreciation for this show. And guess what? God damn it. I appreciate you, Wolfgang. So glad to see you on there. Hope you're enjoying all the stuff over there. But Wolfgang... Wolfgang is not alone. We have somebody else signing up that we need to talk about. We've got Daniel signing on as well to the duffel bag of cash tier. Daniel said, I've had enough of not supporting. Dancing is forbidden. Daniel said, I just can't continue to live in a world where I have an extra $5 in my bank account that isn't going towards dancing is forbidden. Daniel is the change that he wants to see in this world. I respect the hell out of it so much so. It almost made me start crying when I think about it. Wolfgang and Daniel, they signed up within about the same week at the beginning of May. Talk about a week. Talk about a good week, man. I was fucking partying so hard when both of those emails came through. Thank you, guys. I really, really do appreciate that. Of course, there are more thank yous to come in the coming episodes. I don't want to do a bunch at once because we had a bunch of signups at once. I'm not really sure why, but I don't know. Maybe there was just something in the air. Maybe... Maybe uh, the pollen and the flowers got in people's eyes and made them misclick on Patreon. I don't know what happened, but I really do appreciate both Wolfgang and Daniel and anyone else who has signed up in the past month. And also, guess what? Also anybody else who ever signed up at all. I think that's freaking cool. Coming up next, Aquatine Hunger Force. 
Hypnogerm premiering October 17th, 2004 with a TV-14 rating, which I think is fair. There's definitely some violence in this episode, some maybe shocking imagery that kids shouldn't see. So I think that's a fair rating on this one. And again, going forward here, I think everything is going to be at least TV-14, except for one episode in, in season four. Otherwise, the rest will be 14, and then we'll eventually be getting into some TVM territory. Ooh, spicy. But we're still on a 14 for Hypnogerm. To shout out the editors on this episode, we have Phil Sampson doing the bulk of the editing. And according to Phil, in the commentary on this one, he cut the audio in Iowa City, Iowa. So we got some some Midwestern working places here. I think it shows being from the Midwest myself. You see this kind of thing all the time out here. We also have Ned Hastings, Jay Edwards, and John Breston on this one. And then we have an Aqua Teen newcomer. We have Bradley Zimmerman as the Flash sequence editor on this one. And Brad will go on to work on many more Aqua Teen episodes, as well as things like Squidbillies, 12-Ounce Mouse, and Archer as well. I believe he works on Archer now. And to mention the Flash sequence editing, they used the program Adobe Flash, which at the time was called Macromedia Flash. Macromedia was the company kind of heading it until Adobe got a hold of it. Uh, they used Flash for parts of this episode, and of course, if you're around my age or older, you will remember Flash a lot. It was used a lot for online animation, things like Salad Fingers, Homestar Runner. I mean, if you were on Newgrounds at the time, you were seeing some Flash animation, so they would use that on things like Squidbillies and other Adult Swim shows to come, but this episode was kind of the testing ground for Adult Swim for Flash. Other things were done in Flash on Adult Swim at the time, too. But a lot of these guys went on to make other shows in Flash. So we'll get into that more in the episode. But yeah, the, the germ and bean sequences are done in Flash. And Bradley Zimmerman, he headed that on this episode. So that is our editors here and a little bit of the history on this one and what we will see going into it. On to the voice crew here, and there's so many people, so we're not going to dwell on them. As usual, we will mention them as we get to them in the episode, but there are some people here who we won't be able to really identify because this episode has a lot of writers from The Onion on it who don't show back up in Aqua Teen, so I don't know all of their voices. I don't know that there's really a way to track that down in some cases, but our Onion writers are Joe Garden, Maria Schneider, Carol Kolb, Chris Karowski, and of course, Todd Hansen. So I think I have an idea of who some of these guys are. So I'll try and tell you when we get to them in the episode. We also have, as I mentioned previously, Bob Odenkirk, Eric Wareheim, Tim Heidecker, Janine Garofalo, and Fred Armisen alongside Max Willis, who was Dave Willis's son. At the time, he was only 10 months old. We'll get to him. And then we also have Ronnie Land. So we'll get into all these people as we get into them throughout this episode. Again, I won't be able to identify every single person because they aren't really voice actors, uh, like Ronnie Land as well, who is an Atlanta artist. But we'll do our best. Before we jump in, I want to tell you about how this episode started, and I mentioned it up top on the podcast. So in the commentary, somebody mentions that what would happen is when Matt and Dave had to give out log lines, like for the corporate people to like know, I guess, what the episode was about, and, and these log lines would be used if you go on your TV guide and click on the episode, it'll kind of give you a synopsis. They gave out a fake log line for a season two episode 
and they mentioned that in in the commentary and the log line was that shake it schizophrenia from a toilet seat well i looked into it i was actually able to track down the episode that they used that log line for because you can still see that log line for that episode in certain places online, like it's still it's still stuck around, and Matt and Dave got in trouble for that because that's not what the episode is about. And that episode was season two, episode fifteen, the shaving. So the shaving in in certain places, the synopsis is shake gets schizophrenia from the toilet seat. So Matt and Dave got in trouble for that, but they seemingly liked the idea so much. They and you know they just threw it out there as a joke. They liked it so much that they later went on to make it into this episode, Hypnogerm. So there's some Aqua Teen history for you. And the last thing I want to mention is, of course, the Aqua Teens are in this episode, but it's not really focused on them. And that's why some people don't like this one so much. And the reason for that is very unsurprising if you know Matt and Dave. And that is because they got tired of writing for the Aqua Teens, basically. They wanted to explore something else, so they made this whole other episode that basically has this, this fake play within the episode. So we do see the Aqua Teens. It's not as extreme as Season 5 of Aqua Teen, where the Aqua Teens aren't even in some episodes. So you still have all three characters, and, and most of this episode, I guess, takes place inside of Shake. So it's not, like, completely devoid of the Aqua Teens, like we will see in our next episode we'll cover... Carl, aka Spacegate World, because that one's kind of similar. The episode is just about Carl, and here we have it kind of about the Aqua Teens, but not really. And again, that's no surprise if you know anything about Matt and Dave, because it's this tendency to get bored of writing for the same characters that brought us Aqua Teen, because they got bored writing for Space Ghost, so that's how they came up with the Aqua Teens to invade a Space Ghost episode. And, and similar thing here, and we will see that going forward within the show. So, okay, that's enough history. Let's jump in to our episode here. So, Hypnogerm, despite being a very different Aqua Teen episode, starts off very typically, very unsurprisingly. We open in on Shake and Meatwad watching TV. Shake, come in here for a second. Hey, why don't you just come in here? It'll be quicker. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I heard that. Give him three seconds now. One. Shake, will you please get in here? <laughs> he beat my projections. Just go see what he wants, and then tell me about it afterwards. Okay. Meatwad rolling off. Shake, come in here. Uh, God, why must I be cursed with such popularity? What? What? Get out your cameras. I'm only signing for five minutes. That's it. <laughs> So that is Shake heading over to Frylock's room. I just love that whole setup because you have uh, Meatwad and, and Shake playing along and, and Meatwad's like, oh, he beat my projections. Like he has Frylock down to a science, which in a way, I don't anticipate this to be the case, but you could see as meta, having known that Matt and Dave were tired of writing for these characters, maybe that's kind of them playing on like, oh yeah, Frylock's so predictable. He's going to call for Shake to come in here at this point. But I think that's a little bit of a reach. But then you have Meatwad rolling off and then Shake it in here. <laughs> like he he's quickly he quickly joined Frylock's side, which is kind of like a tendency of Meatwad's really. He's he's easily influenced on on whose side he's on. But to mention what they are watching on TV, it's clearly footage from Space Kataz. You know, the pilot that, that Matt and Dave made before this for its own spin-off show that didn't happen, which we will be talking about on Patreon 
later this month, and I'm very excited because, uh, to get off topic for a second, I interviewed Matt Malero for our Postocalypse talk, and we talked about Space Katas for a bit, so you'll get to hear that if you're subscribed to the Patreon at the $5 level. Very exciting to hear his take on Space Katas all these years later. Look forward to that. But they're watching Space Kataz, but it's not the audio. And of course, uh, that's meta in itself, that they're watching the Moonanites and the Plutonians on their TV. And these are people that they know in the show. So very silly there. As for the audio that they're playing on the television show, I was able to isolate it and listen to it. And it was somebody talking backwards. So I flipped the clip around and it's not actually that interesting. It's somebody talking about somebody who got a liver transplant and then how there's somebody who who skateboarded across Canada in 11 months to to raise money for heart disease or something like that. So it seems to be like it was taken either from a newscast or uh, this is from like some other Adult Swim show. They took it and just reversed it. I'm not really sure why. You would think there would be some significance to this, but as far as I could tell, I googled some of the names and stuff and couldn't find anything, so I don't know what it is. So, continuing on with our episode now, Shake, he's gonna show up at Frylock's room, and we see Frylock, he's using his microscope here, and he has it pushed up against a very dirty toilet seat. I don't think we've seen this toilet seat so far in the show, and it's just this disgusting thing, and then we will see, like, what they can see through the, the microscope, and there are some just, like, amoeba characters dancing around. One of them has a, a boom box, and they're just kind of, or I, sh I should say jam box, and they're, they're dancing around doing some break dancing. And this is not the same jam box that Meatwad has, because this, I assume, was also drawn in Flash, so this is, like, all new stuff. It's, the look is a little bit different. It's more animated than we usually get from Aqua Teen, and that's because, again... It was done in Flash. They were able to kind of do these things easier than the way that the show was made in After Effects and, and Adobe Premiere and, and things like that. So let's hear them talk about this dirty old toilet seat. Take a look at this shake. I can see it from here. It's a toilet seat. And you're a disgusting perv for having Take it. Take a closer look. <laughs> wow. You've discovered germs. Now how about you go discover soap? This is the same toilet seat that you sat on at the gas station in Branson, and it's covered with hypnogerms. <laughs> that is a lie, and you are a liar for saying that. I've never been to Branson in my life. Don't tell me you don't remember that. It was just last week. You know, wake that batch of bad ribs after the Dallin Brothers concert, and made Frylock blow the door off that truck stop bathroom because you said you couldn't wait for the bathroom key, squeezing the butt together trying to keep it in. I don't even know Charles Branson. Someone's losing their mind, Jack, because that never happened. He's already lost his. I'm looking at you, big boy. <laughs> okay, so there's just so much going on here. Uh, first up, let's tackle the visuals. So to prop this toilet seat up so that Frylock can study it, it's actually on the, the wire spool that they normally have in their living room by the window. So that's in Frylock's room. And he's using that, which is, like, so funny. You could tell the editors or, or, or animators or whatever were just like, shit, what do we do? We need some sort of table. Let's just get that in there. It doesn't make sense that Frylock would drag that in here. Like, he surely would have some more efficient way to look at this toilet seat, but that's what they're doing. It's also propped up on some books as well. Uh, so I, maybe so it's not touching the, uh, the, the spool exactly so they can use it still to put their phone on in the living room. But So that's in Frylock's room. And then I did notice a visual error towards the end of the clip. They pull back so we can see all three Aqua Teens in Frylock's room, but they pull back further than the image of Frylock's room is, basically, so you get some black bars underneath. But what's funny is that spool table thing 
is like over the black bars. So it's just, it looks very silly here. Just again, there's nothing they could do about it. They just had to pull back that far. So first up on the premise here, Shake has a point. Why the fuck does Frylock have this dirty toilet seat from Branson, Missouri with them? Like, why did he take it from the truck stop? Maybe he had an idea that like, oh, maybe there's like germs on this. But like, that's so bizarre. Why would you think to have that? So I don't know why Frylock did that. Now, we will see later in the episode, spoilers, that Shake does have hypno germs and he is infected. So it would it would make sense retroactively if Frylock like went back to get the toilet seat after Shake was exhibiting symptoms, but he was not at this point in the episode, at least as far as we know. So it's like, why does he have this? It's obviously just a, a ploy to get the episode going. And hey, you can't be mad about it. I just found it funny there. Some great back and forth between the characters, Shake denying ever having been to Branson, which then Meatwad's like, we were there last week or whatever, and he describes everything that happens, and that's some great foreshadowing because soon we will see all of that play out on their TV. But I love the idea of the Aqua Teens going to Branson. Branson, Missouri is a place I have been to. Branson is very famous for its live entertainment, and they also have like amusement parks, so I went there because I went to Silver Dollar City but there's all sorts of just attractions and stuff. It's just, it's just a fun place to be. I used to live in Missouri. I lived there for like two years almost when my wife was going to college down there. So a lot of fun. And my wife used to live in, uh, or she, she was interning for a summer in Springfield, Missouri, which is like towards the south end of the state, which isn't that far from Branson. So I used to drive down and see her on weekends and I would see all the billboards for bands and, and magicians and, and people like that playing in Branson. And the Gatlin brothers is who the Aqua Teens saw. And that is very much the kind of band you would expect to see in Branson. They're like a, a 70s kind of country band. Let me play some for you. Now she's a So there's some Gatlin brothers for you just to give you a vibe of what's going on down in Branson. It's a fun place. I wish I could have spent more than one day there. But luckily when I was there, I did not pick up any hypno germs because here's my trick. I don't poop in public. No way, Jose. I'm not doing it. You got to avoid those hypno germs. There's no other way to do it. Poor shake though. I mean, sometimes nature calls. You don't have a choice. We've all been there. And luckily, we're about to see this incident that Shake denies ever happened. Well, they've got the receipts. They've got it all on tape. We're about to see the, the footage of exactly what was described in our previous clip of how Shake had to go to the bathroom so bad that he had Frylock blow the door off so he could go into the truck stop bathroom. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just blow the door off. I can't hold it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank oh, oh, God. Wow, it's still just coming. Hold it right. I got it upside right side down. Where's the paper? I want to see this again. Rewind. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just blow the door up. Yeah, that's not me. I mean, it's just, it's clearly not me. Well, you're entitled to your dumbass opinion on where you think you were, but the fact is you didn't put paper on that toilet seat, and I'm afraid you might be infected by hypnogerms. Really? And that's what you think, huh? Hold on. I think I may be able to take care of this. 
So Shake gets up and starts walking away. We'll get back to that because things are about to get strange here. But I love that it just describes exactly what Meatwad said happened. Shake said it didn't happen, but we saw obviously it did. And then, as you heard, eventually Shake's like, well, yeah, that's not me, of course, <laughs> which is so funny because, I mean, visually what we saw is Shake just outside of, of a bathroom, like having to go in, the door gets blown off, he goes right on in there. And there's some visual joke with Meatwad was holding the camcorder because the footage is like upside down, and it's all shaky and shit because, uh, you know, Meatwad, he, he's a dummy, he's doing his best, but uh, he's like, oh, I got it the right side up, upside down or something like that. And then another little visual thing is Shake, he had the remote because he was, like, rewinding. Well, he drops the remote, it bounces on the ground, and it doesn't explode. And then we cut in on Frylock, and he starts talking. But then later, we hear the explosion, and we see it come up a bit. So, you know, they're having some fun there with the whole explosion gag that, like, oh, we made you think it wasn't gonna explode, but ultimately, it did. So this is where the episode starts to get very strange, and going forward, I hope that this isn't too confusing to listen to, and I hope for my own sake it's not too difficult to describe, because Shake, he's just going to start tripping out, basically, is what's going to happen throughout the episode, and we see the beginning of that, because Shake got up out of the chair, and then he calls over from the hallway, and then a file cabinet, you'll hear it just kind of like jumping down the hallway, it comes up. And then eventually, it, like, its mouth is the bottom cabinet. It just, like, opens and closes. Eventually, that mouth will open, and then, like, little files will peek their heads out. And they'll start talking as well. So, the voice actors here, I'm assuming that it's either Joe Garden or Chris Karowski. Not sure, you know, who it is. It's going to be one of these Onion writers. Hey! Get in here! Been to Branson? He's never been there! <laughs> see? Uh, see what? Tell him again. Maybe slow it down for him. He has never been He's there. He's never been there! He's never been there! Alright, alright! Will everybody settle down, please? We're not deaf. He's never been there. Okay. <laughs> so that's one of the files, like, peeking out from behind Shake. I'm not sure if whoever's doing the file cabinet is doing the files as well. It's just kind of pitched up a little bit. Uh, again, these are going to be our Onion writers here who aren't typically voice actors, so uh, can't really figure out exactly. But to mention of the episode... Frylock is, like, confused, and we will see throughout the episode that, like, this is just a hallucination from Shake. Watching it, you might not get that at first, especially because it's Aqua Teen. You know, it's, it's crazy as hell. You never know what's going to happen. But really, Frylock and Meatwad can't see this, this file cabinet characters or the other characters that Shake will be interacting with. And we will get hints of that because while Shake will be going on in our next clip, we'll get cuts of Frylock and Meatwad just kind of like looking confused. And what exactly is going to be happening is eventually the wall will start to talk. So it'll grow like eyes and a face and then talk. And then after that, a, a basketball will roll into the scene and that basketball will be played by Tim Heidecker. The wall... I'm guessing is one of our Onion writers, either Carol Kolb or Maria Schneider. Uh, who are you talking to? <laughs> You're serious. Hey, I can be stupid too. Tell him who I'm talking to. He's talking to the basketball. <laughs> what the f- Hey, where you been, man? I was looking for you. I called you last <laughs> Christmas. Your mom said the chicken face was on bone roll. He's pulling your chain. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the basketball. Yeah. <laughs> 
Love is a basketball and chain, brother. Come on. I know! That's what freed the fish, man. Yeah, I'm the basketball. I meant to tell them that. It's only a matter of time. Time? <laughs> time is an illusion. Yeah, I'm the basketball. The only time now is party time. Are we clear? Come on! Mm. Yeah, I'm the basketball. Lovely. You so got that from a beer commercial? Yeah. <laughs> see, I told you, these guys are totally out of control. So you can see, this is like insane. It, it, you can't even follow what they're talking about. Uh, basketball Tim Heidecker there mentions like something setting the fish free. I wasn't sure if he meant actual fish or the band fish, which is like a, a crazy jam band. Uh, hard to tell here, but hey man, that is Tim Heidecker's very first television appearance. Tim later going on to do Tom Goes to the Mayor, of course, but then Tim and Eric Awesome show Great Job, Bedtime Stories, Beef Boys, uh, Check It Out with Steve Brule, uh, one of my favorite comedians of all time, a very funny guy. He also has the Office Hours podcast, which is great. And one of my favorite things that Tim has done that isn't so popular is his joke band, The Yellow River Boys, and their album, Urinal Street Station, which is an entire album about drinking piss. So give it a listen there. I actually tweeted out at Tim saying, hey, do you want to come on my Aqua Teen podcast and talk about your first television appearance? Didn't get a response. So I actually hate Tim Heidecker now. I think he sucks. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I assume he didn't see it, and if he did see it and ignored it, I can't say I blame him. But I'm really fascinated by this idea that this is Aqua Teen giving the nod to Tom Goes to the Mayor, which comes out very soon, because we will see Eric later in this episode, and this will be Eric's first television appearance as well. So this is kind of them using Aqua Teen as like, hey, look, these guys are cool. They were on an episode of Aqua Teen. Check out their new show, Tom Goes to the Mayor. So I don't blame the network for doing things like this. Now, of course, I don't suspect that like Matt and Dave were forced into having these guys on the show. I'm sure they wanted them. And I believe I heard in a podcast that it's because of Dave Willis that Tim and Eric actually got on Adult Swim because they were linked up with the uh, Mr. Show guys who... Matt and Dave are big fans of, and Bob Odenkirk was trying to shop around Tim and Eric's to networks to get them a television show. Dave got a hold of it, and then even though Tim and Eric wasn't really his style, he did pass it along to the higher-ups at Adult Swim. So that is my understanding. I'll have to talk to Dave more about this at some point, because again, I just love Tim and Eric's stuff so much, and it's so cool that it's because of Dave Willis that that they kind of got involved in Adult Swim, and and all of their shows came to be. So let's jump ahead to our next very short clip. We're going to see straight up now, like there's a payoff of we will see that Frylock and Meatwad cannot see what Shake is seeing. So they'll kind of comment on that when we we see finally Shake's just stand there talking to himself. There's not actually the wall with eyes and a mouth. There's not actually the basketball or the file cabinet. Although I forgot one thing. Don't quote me on this, but I I heard or read somewhere that the wall getting eyes and in a mouth, it was supposed to be like a draft like grew out of the wall that's what was supposed to happen but it was too hard for them to actually do that i don't know where i heard that from i don't know when i heard that but uh i'm gonna mention it here don't quote me on it but anyways on to our next clip where we see <laughs> shakes hallucinating this don't squeeze the pancake batter <laughs> hey no don't interrupt I'm talking to him. So what kind of germs he got there? Hypno germs, Meatwad. Their only interest is no to control your skirts. mind. Oh yeah, that's right. And I'm an asshole for asking. <laughs> 
So a bit of a shocker here to hear Meatwad straight up say asshole. It's unbeeped. It's unedited. And this is a first for the show. I don't think that he's said any, that anybody has said that unedited at any point up until now. So that's, you know, they're making a little bit more leeway with what they can get away with here. So that's all there really is to say about that short clip, because obviously we've been discussing the fact that uh, Shake has been hallucinating this the whole time. It wasn't really a shocker here. So what's going to happen now is we're going to cut to Shake. He's still standing near the hallway, and he's going to start to sing Mind Control, and then he's going to fall through the floor, and he will fall then onto a stage. He'll have a microphone. There's a spotlight pointed at him. He'll keep on kind of singing and doing his song and dance, and we'll see that in the audience, it's like a, a nice little lounge nightclub area. It's just filled with file cabinets like the one that we saw earlier. Mind Control! If you want to take control of your mind, thank you. Shake's a real professional here because that fall doesn't really phase him. He falls, he just keeps going with it, and he accepts whatever's going on. And I'm reminded of something I heard once, and I can't remember who said it, but they said that something that Dana Snyder really brought to Master Shake that Matt and Dave wouldn't have really done otherwise is this kind of showbiz nature of Shake. Because, I mean, if you know anything about Dana Snyder, he loves this old, like, Hollywood-era kind of thing. And he brings this this Cabernet sing-songiness to Shake. So this is all Dana Snyder just, just going at it here. It's so funny. So we have Shake here doing this concert, I guess. And now he's going to go talk to the audience, one of the file cabinets there, We'll also hear from the file cabinet's wife, and then they have a little folder on the table. That's their baby. That folder will be Max Willis, at the time, Dave's 10-month-old son. Max will go on to be in a lot of other of Dave's things, like the final or one of the final episodes of Aqua Teen, for example, as one of Meatwad's kids. So Max, we'll see him throughout the run of the show here. As the, the file cabinet and his wife... Again, the file cabinet is either Joe Garden or Chris Karowski. Not really sure. Uh, to shout out Chris Karowski, though, he did some work on the Volume 3 Aqua Teen DVD. If you have that DVD, the original version of it, if you open it, there's a bunch of text behind the DVDs, and that was written by Todd Hansen and Chris Karowski. So, again, not sure which one it is. I looked up voice clips of the guys. I can't really identify who's who, so uh, apologies there. As for his wife, again, it's either Maria Schneider or Carol Kolb. Again, not really sure who's who on this episode. But let's jump in and hear Shake talk to his loving audience members. You, sir, you got a nice long lady with you. What's your name? Phil Cabinet. You precious little thing. Where are you from, Phil? We're from Kill Yourself. <laughs> All right, Phil, from Kill Yourself. <laughs> and who's this with you? Wow. This is my six-month-old, and her name is Wear a Hat Made Out of Foil. And this is my wife, Lock Yourself in a Cold, Dark Room. Hey. And how long you two lovely people been married? Oh, about smear yourself with garbage and try to cross the freeway. We just celebrated our eat-your-own-dung. Great to hear. <laughs> Yummy, too. Hey, Phil, thanks for coming out. Like the shirt, both of you. You match. Shake doing some great crowd work here, and the file cabinets are giving suggestions to Shake, and we will see some of those kind of come to life later but uh before that can happen we're gonna have someone else on the stage it's a little guy a little tulip guy like a little flower character he's gonna be holding a tommy gun and he's gonna shoot it at shake 
Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for Tulip Sniper! Thank you, thank you very much. Die, die, all of you! Voicing Tulip Sniper there is what Shake calls him, although, like I said, he is shooting a Tommy gun, and you could hear that. Snipers can't shoot a bunch of bullets like that. And I should mention, the bullets that go through Shake, uh, it leaves like a green blood liquid. It's not a red blood, it's a green blood. Uh, maybe that's a reference to his pistachio ice cream, I'm not sure. Uh, but on the voice there, I'm not sure who that is. But there is somebody on this episode who I think it might be who is Ronnie Land, who is an Atlanta artist most famous for Lost Cat, which is this kind of like meme before memes were a thing. So Ronnie, he put around town these flyers that said on the top, Lost Cat, meaning like lost, but it's L-O-S-S. There's a picture of a very funny cat on it, and then underneath it says, Speckles does not call when come limps. Dirty, not tag. Reward, needs medicines. Foam, call ward. And then there's a phone number, and it is an Atlanta number. So this is like just kind of like a shit post, but before memes again were like the huge things that they are now. I'm not sure when Lost Cat is from, but at least early 2000s, uh, if not earlier. And you could actually see Lost Cat, I did not know at the time if you're a patron. But Lost Cat was in Colon Movie Film. That is the cat that Meatwad puts all over, uh, quote, all over town, although he just plastered it over Carl's house. So I know Ronnie Land is in this episode because Dave mentions it at the end of the commentary, and credited on this one is Lost Cat. So I assume that is Ronnie Land as uh, Lost Cat. I don't know that he's doing the sniper voice. It kind of sounds like him, but I'm not really sure. But Ronnie Land, again, he's a big Atlanta artist. I'm sure if you're from Atlanta, you know all about him. If you're not from Atlanta, like I'm not, you probably don't. I certainly didn't until I really looked into him. But Ronnie actually did some work on the Aqua Teen Volume 3 DVD as well. On the inside, for example, he did these little clay figures of the characters, is my understanding. If not, having done also more of the stuff in that DVD artwork. So I grew up with the Volume 3 DVD, and it's cool to know, uh, you know, to dig into it a little bit here and learn more about who worked on those visuals, because I looked at this so much as a kid, so it's good to know. And again, I don't know if that was Ronnie voicing the Tulip character, but he voices one of these unknown characters. So from there, we cut directly to Shake outside, and he is in a very... Uh, disgruntled state, I guess we can put it. So we have Shake, he's standing out in the middle of the road, and this seems to be like the real world, right? Because Shake, he's almost vegetative. He's just standing there. He's not reacting to anything. He's standing in the street. First, we see a school bus drive by. You know that's the school bus from Bus of the Undead. And then we see two wicked Carl's car drive by, too. Uh, both at very fast speeds. I feel like way too fast for this residential neighborhood, which usually seems to be the case whenever there's a car driving by. But we have Shake standing in the middle of the road, and first of all, all over his face, we have orange dust. And that, I looked, is the exact orange dust from Season 2, Episode 3, Super Bowl. When Shake's eating some enchiladitos, he has that dust on his mouth. It's the same dust from that episode. Next up, we see Shake. Uh, he's covered in some brown stuff, and you, if you will recall... The wife file cabinet told Shake to smear himself with garbage and try and cross the freeway. Seems like that's what he did. He's got this nasty stuff all over him, and that brown stuff we've seen before. That is from Season 2, Episode 9, The Meat Zone. At the end of that episode, Meatwad incorrectly predicts that there is oil in Carl's yard, and they put some sort of uh, 
oil pump, oil extractor, whatever those things are called. They put one of those in Carl's yard. It hits his septic tank and covers both Carl and Shake in Carl's shit. And that is the same exact asset we see here on Shake, the, like the uh, what's supposed to be poop. I mean, that's really what it is if, if, you, if you know that it's from that other episode. And then lastly, on Shake's head, he has on... From Super Spore, Season 2, Episode 6, he has on Travis of the Cosmos' transmitter thing, the the colander device that is on Shake's head here. So we have this one shot of Shake in this episode that uses three separate shots from three separate Season 2 episodes. So pretty cool there. I mean, of course, it's no surprise. William Street, they are the kings of recycling. And they recycled the hell out of this crazy asset of Shake. Shake also will have some tinfoil underneath the colander. I'm not sure where, where that's quite from. And there's also some spittle coming from Shake's mouth because he's like vegetative just standing in the street. So not sure uh, where that's from. But there's a whole lot of history in this one shot that you wouldn't quite expect. Let's give this little clip a listen. Jack! Um, I have a two-part question. Well, what's he doing now? Two should we light him on fire? He's probably fallen <laughs> prey to one of the hideous off-Broadway productions. But didn't you say that their only interest is mind control? Well, yes, and they also like to star in plays. <laughs> star in plays? Oh, yes, Meatwad. Plays that they've written after they've been drinking. After they've been drinking? <laughs> on the weekends. On the weekends? Will you stop repeating me? Damn, everything I say. Everything you say. <laughs> you still think I'm an asshole, don't you? So there's Meatwad again, dropping the asshole. I guess out of context, that could sound kind of weird. But okay, first up in the clip, you heard Carl yelling, jackass, as he drives by. Like I said, two wicked drives by very quickly. Like, I'm not really sure. There's no way Carl could be going that fast if he's coming out of his driveway. <laughs> but uh, who knows what he's doing. But that is our one Carl appearance this episode. We don't even see him. In fact, with the power of computers and modern technology, I could see frame by frame that there's actually nobody driving to Wicked. It's just like the car with no driver in it. But that's really our only Carl appearance this episode. But don't worry, they make up for it next episode when the whole thing is about him. So it's all right. But again, Shake is just standing there not moving, which really allows them to use those other assets from those other episodes I was telling you about because he doesn't move. If he did move in some weird way, they wouldn't be able to just literally copy and paste different parts from different episodes over Shake because those parts were never animated in any sort of way outside of how they were used in those episodes. But since he's just standing still, it works out. But then we heard Meatwad and Frylock go back and forth, and this is really where the episode takes a turn. You will recall, like earlier, I was saying that they do parts of this episode in Flash. That's about to come up now because so far it's been our normal Aqua Teen animation style, but that will change in a little bit here because now a lot of the episode is going to be focused on these plays that Frylock was talking about. It's really one long play, but that's when this starts to start up. So the first half of the episode is about like, hey, Shake has the hypno germs and he's, he's seeing stuff that nobody else sees. But very quickly, the episode will go inward on him, and we will see this play in action. 
Before we get to that play, though, first we have a very short clip where Frylock is going to be seen dragging Master Shake inside from the street. Uh, very surprising here how much Frylock is caring for Shake. As we've seen in other episodes, he doesn't really care so much, but here he cares. He's going to drag Shake inside, and then he's going to inject Shake with some Mexican jumping beans. Well, what you going to do now? Well, Meatwad, there's only one thing we can do. These beans. Those beans? Yes, Meatwad, these Mexican jumping beans are the only known enemy to the hypnogerm. Now they must confront each other inside his brain. Okay. <laughs> Meatwad's just like, okay. But I love how nonsensical it is. Like, okay, the only way to combat these germs in his brain is to inject his brain with Mexican jumping beans. It's just silly, but worth mentioning that visually the beans have like a little little eyes and a little mouth. And they also have little arms and legs as well, which we will see come into play, uh, <laughs> pun not intended, in the play coming up. So visually, we see the syringe go into Shake's head, and then we're going to zoom into Shake. So we're going to go inward into Shake, which we've already done earlier this season in Unremarkable Voyage. But we're doing it again. We're going into his brain again. And we zoom in on two little germs in there. And these germs are like, they're a pink color. Otherwise, they're not super descript, which is great for an audio format here. The background is pretty abstract. It's supposed to be like a brain background. And in the commentary, it's mentioned how, I guess, all the lines in the background are drawn with a, a brush in Flash, and this brush was a mountain. But, like, it, it looks like this cool kind of brain texture. But we see some sort of germ king there. He has a giant uh, feather quill pen that he's writing with on his little desk. He's also got a crown and a beautiful red cape on. Very similar to the red cape I always wear while recording this podcast at all times. And then we will see Donna, who is voiced uh, by Janine Garofalo, credited as Beverly Center, but everything I could tell suggests that it's Janine Garofalo. Janine has been in like a million things, like the Ben Stiller show, the Larry Sanders show, Saturday Night Live. She was a leading force behind Wet Hot American Summer. She was in Mystery Men. She's also a stand-up comedian. I mean, she's done so much. But a few more things that Janine did that you might be familiar with are, oh, I don't know, a little show called The Simpsons, uh, Seinfeld, Dr. Katz. But she was also on an episode of Space Ghost, the 1996 episode Late Show. So, you know, she already kind of knew the guys from that. She did a voice on King of the Hill. She was on many episodes of Delocated. She was on Metalocalypse, like all sorts of stuff. It's Janine Garofalo. I'll end here. She's amazing. Voicing the Germ King, we will have Eric Wareheim in his, again, television debut. And voicing the Germ Guard, I'm not really sure who that is. It's, it could be, you know, Ronnie Land. It could be any of the Onion writers. I don't know. Let's jump into it. Germ Master! Beans are invading from the West! It's Pancho. He's come for me. Young Donna, you must understand that the beans are lowlifes. Mean and germous <laughs> never mate. It is written on this grape. But father! <laughs> but father! But father. Take her to the epiglottis. <laughs> I love it here because the germs are not that great at acting. Like you heard somebody whispering 
to uh, the Germ King like, Epiglottis. Like they had to tell. I think that was Dave Willis whispering in there. But at the beginning of the clip too, with the Germ Guard who comes in, it takes him like a little while before he starts his line. Like he's just kind of looking around a little bit. So I love how they're animating this kind of bad acting and also just writing it into the episode that again, like Frylock said, these plays are pretty poor. And I like how the the germs, they're very quick here. I guess I can excuse them because they are already incorporating the fact that the beans are coming and the the princess Donna, she is in love with one of the beans or or she thinks they're coming to like save her or or whatever. And the germ king is like, no, beans and germs, they cannot mate. It cannot happen. Visually, we can see there's a bit more animation here than we're used to just because that they, they did it in Flash. It allowed for this more fluid motion. So the characters are like, like they're sticking arms out and things like that. It's just, again, a little bit more animated than what we normally expect from Aqua Teen. And to mention Janine Garofalo again, I should mention that she does go on to be in an episode of Tom Goes to the Mayor. But all right, I'm going to close her Wikipedia page because I'll <laughs> keep reading you stuff that she's done all night. In the commentary, they even mention visually how this episode was kind of a test for Squidbillies because it was done in Flash like Squidbillies. So this was the animators, because it's like the same animators who did uh, Aqua Teen as Squidbillies. Like this was really them just like practicing around and playing around with it. So that's definitely, you know, a, a pretty interesting part of Squidbillies history is obviously it, it came from Aqua Teen in a way, but even the, the, the animators here are cutting their teeth on this to kind of get more used to doing things for Squidbillies, which is very cool. So moving on to our next scene, we're going to get another voice actor who I believe to be Todd Hansen, who again was in Interfection as the wizard. So we've talked about him, but I do want to mention, I don't know if I mentioned this in that episode, but he did do a very great episode of WTF with Mark Marin, a, a podcast episode. And in it, Todd gets into uh, struggling with like suicidal thoughts and things like that. It's It's a really great episode. So Check that out if you're a uh, Mark Marin fan. And Todd, of course, you know, a writer for The Onion. He, as I mentioned previously, did the inner, like, text for the Volume 3 DVD alongside Chris. And we've talked about him also on the podcast on the Patreon because Todd Hansen, he came up with the character of Chicken Biddle. And Todd Hansen was involved a bit in the beginning of Aqua Teen. Like he he was going to come on board and, and work on the show with Matt and Dave, but it ended up not really happening. But Chicken Biddle is because of Todd. So we'll hear him narrating these plays. But back to the visuals, what's going to happen is it's really cool. They do a great job of animating this because, like, the lights will dim and then you'll see some kind of, like, stagehands, like, push stuff in and, like, this, this little castle, this little prison castle will drop down from the ceiling. They really make it look like a real play kind of coming together. The, the animators just knocked it out of the park here. You could see they really had fun with this. So in the story here, Donna is being taken to the Epiglottis where she is being kept by her father there so that the bean cannot get with her, I guess. And so, she was imprisoned in the flabby epiglottis for a thousand years <laughs> because of her love for one overweight bean. <laughs> so, we see one of the beans that Frylock injected into Shake walk up, but this one has like a thick kind of Mexican mustache. So, he's gonna walk up. His name is Poncho. And Poncho is voiced by Stuart Bryhut, or I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It doesn't matter because 
that's a fake name. It's actually Fred Armisen playing this character. And we've talked about Fred on the Patreon. I'm sorry to keep bringing it up for any non-Patreon members, but I mean, these are the facts. We talked about him over there because Fred was in colon movie film for theaters as Time Lincoln. And I thought this name, Stuart Bryhut, was a real person. But when I looked him up, his only other credits were, uh, besides this Aqua Teen episode, were a few Squidbillies episodes. So I went to Squidbillies and checked it out. And I'm like, that's obviously Fred Armisen talking there. So uh, eventually Fred Armisen would be credited as himself on Squidbillies. So I'm not really sure why. I, I, maybe Squidbillies became a union show. I don't really know. Like the timeline on that, that must have been what happened. But Fred Armisen did a lot on Squidbillies. I mean, Portlandia, Saturday Night Live, he's a legend. I'm sure I got more into him over on the Patreon, so we're not going to get too into Fred here. But yeah, after this, of course, then Colin Movie Film comes out with Fred on it. I think he was on the commentary for that film as well. And then we will see him again here because he will be in the season five episode, Robots Everywhere. So you'll have Fred here playing Poncho. Poncho's gonna walk up to this castle prison that Donna is in. Let's hear how it goes. Psst. Hey, Donna. Poncho, you've come for me. Donna, shh. Callete, niña. How did you find me? Oh, you know, it's like my love for you carrying me here like a thousand rivers, man. Hold on, honey. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? What did you say? Did you just do what I think you did? Ugh. You told me you didn't do that, man. Not in front of you. <laughs> Silly. Yeah, okay, that's okay. Well, cool, but listen, we're gonna battle your dad, man, okay? You gotta tell him to lay off, please, okay? I don't ever see him, man. Okay, look, here's the deal, okay? I'll be back here tomorrow, man. Because, you know, I love you and I never leave you until you are free from this prison. Okay? But how? How will I ever get free? You must grow your hair, man. And then, you know, we'll do something with you. Something crazy, you know. <laughs> Something crazy, you know. I like he's just like vaguely like recalling Rapunzel, which is so great. So visually there we had Donna. She was like crouched down for a little bit, and then that's when you heard the toilet flush. So there was like a little bit visual side to that. I appreciate that Poncho thought that that uh, Donna didn't actually use the bathroom. He's like, You said you said you didn't do that. She's like, not in front of you, even though I guess she just went in front of him, so I, I don't really know there. I love the voice that Fred Armisen is putting on for this character. It's just so over the top. And in case you have any whispers of, of racism on your lips, Fred was born in Venezuela. He lived for a time in Brazil. I think his, his mom was Venezuelan. So you can cast all those fears aside. Fred, he's not canceled. He's still all right. Now, you could say, well, he's not Mexican, and that's what he's doing here. But if you have any problems with Fred, you can take it up with him. I'm about to give out his email address, so... Uh, get out a pen and paper. It is fredarmison at gmail.com slash fredarmison. So send it that way. I know he'd love to talk about this with you. So back to our episode here. The lights are going to dim. We're going to have Poncho walk away. He's going to go behind one of the bushes that was brought out, and then we'll get some narration. Let's give it a listen. And that was the last Donna ever saw of Poncho. For two weeks later, he met a younger, more illegal bean who wasn't in prison, and she <laughs> bore him many children and sued his ass for custody of them. <laughs> but one day... So Poncho kind of just ditched her there, and it's funny because, again, back to the whole this being a bad play thing, while the narration is going on, Poncho prematurely peeks out of the of the bushes and then goes back in while the, while the narration is going on. So, so many little details here that I love. 
Pancho, he ditched poor Donna, as you heard. She's still in jail. Uh, her father's keeping her away from him. Uh, but he is going to come back now. So eventually, Donna, she will lower her hair. So we get this slow reveal of this because we're at just like the bottom of the castle. And Pancho, he's a little bean. He's pretty small. So we just see like this long golden blonde hair just fall down. He climbs up it. And then we finally see once he gets to the top that it's actually Donna's nose hair. <laughs> that is that is this long, beautiful golden hair that he's climbing up. This will give Pancho second thoughts. Pancho, you've come back. Yeah, no. Shut up. Damn, let your hair down. Pancho climbed her hair, and when he reached the top, he looked in his long-lost lover's eyes and said, <laughs> Oh, I gross. But on your nose? You know, uh, Donna, I mean thinking, you know, I, I don't want to break your heart, and I'm going through a lot of right now, got a lot of work to do, and... I'm not the best guy in the world, you know. I'm not right for you. I gotta, I gotta think about things a little bit, okay? It'll work Aww. out somehow. But yeah, give me that hair. So poor Donna, her eyes start to well up. She starts to cry. But earlier, I love her bad acting. I just love uh, all the like the the multiple layers of this play that we are watching. That is, of course, again taking place inside of Master Shake's brain. This is an Aqua Teen episode after all, even though at this point it doesn't feel like it. But I like it because it's still Matt and Dave's writing. It's still their silly style coming together, which, uh, back to the Patreon, we've covered so many special features there and things that they've done over there that isn't Aqua Teen, like Radon, but it's still Matt and Dave, and it's just so funny. And, uh, of course, they went on to do other shows on their own, really kind of without each other, but it's just great to see them do things together like this that aren't explicitly Aqua Teen. So... Even though I get that might be a turnoff for some people, it's still that same humor, it's still that same style, and I just can't get enough of it. Visually, Donna having this nose hair is funny, and they talk about in the commentary how they had to give her nostrils just for this joke, because previously she didn't have nostrils. I mean, she's a germ, right? Of course, like, why would you design it with nostrils? But uh, yeah, she had them in this scene, and what's going to happen next is that Poncho, he's like climbed up the uh, nose hair. He's going to cut it off, which to me doesn't really make sense. Like, why, did, why is that a deal breaker for Donna? Like, she can cut her nose hair, and you didn't see it previously. It, you only saw her no nose hair once she let it down for him so i don't see why that's a deal breaker there's lots of different uh, ways to solve that issue but hey for poncho it is he's gonna cut off her nose hair with a switchblade and we'll hear via the narration that he's gonna take it to a guy he knows this is just some nondescript uh, mexican jumping bean he'll take it to that guy because he thought that the guy could spin it into gold but all that the guy is going to do is pull out a gun and shoot Pancho right in the head. And he snipped the nose hair from her breathing cavities. Gracias. Because he thought he knew someone who could spin nose hair into gold. Now spin it into gold, man. <laughs> Donna's heart was shattered. No, Pancho, no! <laughs> No, Pancho! No! <laughs> it's just, oh my gosh. There's also like some spotlight work going on here that uh, also is kind of bad. Like it's a little late to follow him at points. And I'm just really, really gushing on the animation here. I love just how poorly they're trying to make it. I mean, you heard earlier in, the, in this podcast, I told you I loved Hillary Duff's Raise Your Voice because it was so shitty. So I love here that they're intentionally doing a, a bad play. It's so funny to me. 
But they're also doing some interesting things because once Poncho gets shot, like he turns red and there's a red spotlight on him. And we see, we get this wide shot of Donna in the castle. We have the spotlight on her, but then there's a red spotlight on Poncho. And to this play's credit, that gunshot wound to the head looked very much real. And in fact, it was. And that is the interesting thing about this play is it's part play, but then part of it is real, which we will see continuing on with the episode. It's very strange. It's very Aquatine. So let's move on here because Poncho is dead. R.I.P. Pour some out for your homie. Poor Donna. She's stuck in this castle. She has to get out and help him. And she gets out the exact way that you would imagine. Fortunately for her, she turned into the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> but not the Marvel Comic Hulk. A totally different Hulk that we made up. Hulk <laughs> And Donna took Poncho's body to the Bean Wizard. Donna, she just like grows into the like this giant angry thing. She has like a six pack of abs. She she just gets huge. She gets swole in in seconds time and breaks out of the prison that her father placed her in. And then she jumps down next to Poncho's body. But then she quickly just like goes back to her normal look, her normal size. But it's a really cool transformation animation. Of course, made possible by them doing this in Flash and not the normal way that Aqua Teen is animated. And she takes Poncho here to the Bean Wizard who can save him. And it's funny because the, the person who killed Poncho is also the Bean Wizard. Now, in the play, that's not supposed to be the case. But we see as the audience, the guy who, who shot Poncho, he goes back behind one of the bushes and you can see he kind of puts on this wizard cap. So again, to the whole poorly done play aspect, which I think is just genius and you're probably like, Jesus Christ, we get it. Shut the fuck up already. But I'm not gonna because I love it. They did a great job. They did a great job of making this bad. So we're going to have our Bean Wizard now, and I'm sure you're thinking, where is Bob Odenkirk here? You said he was in the episode. Well, here he is. We have Mr. Odenkirk playing the wizard. Oh, Bean Wizard, can you help me? I'll been shot in the head I can't raise him from the dead if he's been shot in the head my powers are limits and but isn't there anything <laughs> but isn't there anything you can do maybe probably <laughs> definitely <laughs> A zombie! <laughs> so that's what the Bean Wizard is doing here. He turned Poncho into a zombie. And I just love this because we have the Bean Wizard. The first thing he does is uh, sing out that one note. and He drops to his knee. He puts his arm out. The spotlight's on him. The audience is like cheering. And like one little tear comes down the Bean Wizard's eyes. It's, it's the silliest, most fun thing ever. So, Bob Odenkirk, this is his only Aqua Teen appearance, even though his buddy David Cross does a couple appearances on the show. This is his only thing, and he's not even credited as himself. He's credited as Vance Hammersley, which I know is Bob Odenkirk because he's done other things with that name as well. So, it was obviously him. Going into this episode was a little tough 
because IMDb says certain people are in it, and you can never really trust IMDb, as we know doing this podcast, how just insanely wrong it can be. But yeah, I, I know that this is Bob Odenkirk here. Again, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, he's a legend. But before this, Bob was on an episode of Space Ghost with David Cross, so it makes sense how he would know these guys. And again, he was helping Tim and Eric shop around their ideas to networks, so Tim and Eric are on this thing. It makes sense that Bob is here, too, because they were all running together at the time. And Bob, you know, he shows up and, and Tom goes to the mayor. He, he's very big in Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. He does other stuff with Tim and Eric, too. And even though this is Bob's only actual Aqua Teen appearance, I really need to mention that he helped with promotion for the Colin movie film three years later. We have a special feature of him kind of interviewing Dana Snyder about the movie. So I'll put a link to that in the description if you have not seen it. It's great. So I want to mention that in the commentary, they say that they recorded all of the voice lines before having the music, which makes sense. That's usually how they would do the show. They'd do the voice lines first, right, before adding in other stuff. But I guess it proved kind of difficult because they had these singing and then they had to use a backing track of music behind it, especially with Bob Odenkirk's part, but also Eric Wareheim's as well. And they had to retroactively go back and try and get like the music to fit with it. And they, and they talk about how Nick Inkatanawat had to get the music that would work with this. So it sounds like a nightmare. And that's one thing they wish they did differently about this episode was they wish that they had the music first and then had the actors sing to the music rather than having the actors sing and then have to try and get music to fit behind that. So, moving on, we have a very short clip here. Poncho, he's back, but he's not the same because he's a zombie. We get a lot of gore here in a very violent way. He's going to rip off Donna's head and then basically, like, shake her brain out from her head into his mouth. It's so gross and, again, very fluid because this is done in Flash. Let's give it a listen. Oh! Thank you, Bean Wizard! Brains! Oh, wait, no, 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 no! Brains! <laughs> <laughs> so very crazy here again back to the whole thing that like this is supposed to be a play but also the things that are happening with poncho aren't a play so it's very confusing and again very aqua teen i mean what would you expect so from there we get some narration that kind of ties up this uh in quotations play and all we see visually is just zombie poncho chasing the germ people out of there and so the bean zombie terrorized the countryside for a thousand years, and the beans drove the hypnogerms out of the countryside, led by their zombified prince, where they would rule the countryside for a thousand years. So visually, we saw, like, the germ king, we saw some germ guards, but then we also saw the breakdancing germs that we saw in the microscope earlier in the episode, just because they only had so many assets. But again, to this play not really being a play, this actually is what happens, because now we're going to cut to the real world. We're going to see Frylock, he's holding up a magnifying glass to Shake, and you could see the hypnogerms falling out of Shake's mouth, but there are some side effects. He's going to be farting from his eyeballs. Well, it looks like it's working. The beans are obviously winning. Ay, mi es Dio! What's he doing? Oh, he's just passing gas out of his ocular cavities. Well, I told you there'd be side effects, you know. <laughs> a really nice particle effect, a green particle effect coming out of Shake's eyes uh, when the farts happen. It looks pretty dang good. They did a really good job doing that. I mean, that's exactly what it looks like when I fart from my eyeballs, so they definitely were studying up on some actual anatomy here. 
to move on to our last clip of the episode now, Shake, he seems to be cured, but then Frylock's going to start to see some stuff. We're going to hear, and then Frylock will see the file cabinet hopping down the hallway, and Frylock will actually see him this time, and then a bunch of crazy stuff will happen because, like, the wall will grow eyes again. We'll see Tim Heidecker, the basketball, come in, and Meatwad, he will grow these, like, spider legs and walk away with these spider legs. So basically, the hypnogerms, they got into Frylock. Now he's hallucinating. Yep, he's Mexican now. Whoa, what? Who, what? Wait a minute, where did the hypnogerms go? Oh, yeah. They went up your bath. Who's the asshole now? I'm out of there. So a great tie-up and, like, callback on this episode of Meatwad for the third time saying asshole. It's like they got the okay that they could say it, so they're like, let's have them say it a bunch of times. But, yeah, Frylock's got the hypnogerms now, which ultimately, as we learned, isn't really a big deal because, you know, the beans will do the trick. Just inject Frylock with some Mexican jumping beans. Although, if Meatwad and Shake are actually competent enough to pull that off is another question. But poor Frylock, the, the last shot we get really is him like cowering from, from all these uh, hallucinations here. It's kind of sad. Frylock doesn't deserve this, especially after how much he helped Shake this episode. But yes, that is Hypnogerm, an episode that I wasn't too hot on the first time watching, but I really, really grew to appreciate uh, because of this podcast, which seems to happen so many times. And, of course, the Anime Superhero Forum, a.k.a. the Toon Zone Forum, is still down. Typically, right now, we would discuss what was being said about this episode the night that it came out. But because of the commentary, Dave Willis talks a little bit about how Tim and Eric felt about this episode. So he mentions that Tim and Eric called Dave the day after it came out, and they both really liked it. And while recording the episode, though, they had no idea what was going on. And this one being a higher concept one, similar to the cloning, maybe, in season two, where, like, on paper, it doesn't really make sense what's happening. You have to see it to understand it. So I get why Tim and Eric would not understand it while recording it. You have to see it and, and see it all come together for it to make sense. That's just Matt and Dave. The, the written word on the page cannot en encompass uh, the full scope of their ideas. So, my final thoughts on this one, like I just said, I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I, I, not, not, not that I didn't like it, I just wasn't blown away by it, because I'm like, alright, a lot of it is just Shake hallucinating, and then the second half of the episode is just this fake play that I didn't really care for. But once I really sat down and paid attention to this, and, and just really appreciated all the detail that went into it, I just really grew to, to love this one. I was actually shocked. Like, I think this is one of my favorites from the season. And I totally get if you don't like this one that much because it is a different episode. And I think it's fair to not enjoy, you know, something that different than what you're used to getting uh, f from anything, I guess, right? Like, it's like if you go to a sushi restaurant and they're like, oh, we're serving uh, cheeseburgers today. Uh, I understand why you might be disappointed by that. So this is like, you know, kind of half an Aqua Teen episode, half something else. But again, it's written by Matt and Dave. It's still got that Aqua Teen sensibility to it. And I'm constantly championing their their special features work like Radon, the Terror Phone series, these things that aren't Aqua Teen, but from the guys who make Aqua Teen. And not just Matt and Dave, but, you know, Jay, Ned, 
uh, Craig Harton, Todd Redner, like a bunch of guys. I could go on. It's it's all the same guys. Of course, in this case, because it's an Aqua Teen episode, but also in those special features cases, it's like a lot of the same exact people who make the normal Aqua Teen show. So looking at it through that lens allowed me to appreciate this one more. Plus, making this episode of the podcast was so much fun, like just digging into so many of these different things. I'm going to try and get on IMDb here and update it to try and get the uh, the casting a little bit closer to correct. Again, obviously, we there were some people I didn't know who, who did what, but I think we could clean it up a little bit on IMDb. But because of, of making this podcast episode, it really also made me appreciate this episode of Aqua Teen more. And I hope that if you're somebody who didn't really enjoy this episode of Aqua Teen, that this podcast episode made you enjoy it just a little bit more. Just the history behind it, the, the production work that went into it, and just the great voice cast here. We got to hear so many different voices, and it's a treat, you know, once in a while on an Aqua Teen episode to do something a little different, especially for a show that's so small budget and the, the voice cast is so limited. And as much as we all love just our standard characters, it's nice to get something a little different here. So the rating on this one, you're going to be shocked. So if you're driving your car, pull over. I don't want to cause an accident. I got to give this one five filthy toilet seats out of five. I can't believe I'm giving it that score, but anything lower, I feel like just isn't fair for how much I really enjoyed this one. And this is definitely one I'm going to be coming back to. I just love the way that they blended a normal kind of Aqua Teen episode with this other thing. And also there's a lot of like good quotes from, from this episode, like the little speaking time that Shake has. He says some very funny things. Same with Meatwad and same with Frylock too. Like all the characters, they're not on the screen that much, but they do shine even Carl, I mean, him calling Shake a jackass is funny while he's speeding by at 70 miles an hour down his uh, street. I just love that they did something different here. I didn't expect this to be one of my faves, but guess what? It is. What can you do about it? So that's it for me this week. Thanks for hanging out, talking teens, digging through Hypnogerm, a pretty underrated episode, if I do say so myself. Of course, I mentioned the Patreon a lot in this episode just because it, it just happened to come up. But of course, if you really do appreciate the show, if, if you'd like to support it and help it continue on, then you can head on over to patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. Link in the description at the $5 a month and up tier. You get access to all the bonus episodes over there at the end of the month, as you know. And you also get instant access to all the previous bonus episodes, which there are over 20 at this point. I mean, hey, Wolfgang and Daniel, they figured out how to sign up. I'm sure you can too. And if you can't, just go ask them. They're professionals at it. So thank you to our Highlander, Nick. There can be only one. Nick is the Patreon super sleuth who found that hidden $50 tier. You can't get nothing past this guy. Nick, thank you for supporting the show, and thank you to our number one in the Hood G-Tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, Jason, Carl, Lecheraton69, and Empower706. You guys can take a dump in Branson, Missouri any day of the week. I'll see you next week. Remember, we are talking to Matt Malero about Postocalypse, so you probably want to see the movie if you can. It's free on Tubi. It's 70 minutes. It's a good time. You're gonna like it. Keep it cool. Take it easy. Bye-bye.